You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada's on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe. We try to get rid of this next handle a couple of times, but he's back. He couldn't keep away from the show for too much longer. Doug Branson is back as a guest instead of an official co-host now. Doug, how are you doing today? My birthday was two days ago. I just got my teeth cleaned. You guys can't say anything to me right now. Uh, we really can't. I also, by the way, I never did give your Twitter handle. It's at Doug Branson, LOH, if you do want to follow him. And if you want to follow him, you'll be able to find some really nice podcast advice that he doesn't abide by himself. How about Doug tweeting out advice for podcasters saying, it's important not to interrupt. That's a thing. That's a thing that Doug Branson put out there for podcast advice. And my head exploded when I saw that tweet come out from Doug trying to give other people the advice to not interrupt when somebody else is speaking on the podcast. Well, they say that doctors are their worst patients. So what I'm trying Clearly. to say to you is that I am a doctor. Um, I basically have a medical degree in podcasting. It was unbelievable. When I saw that, I thought about quote tweeting it. I decided to just save it for the pod. And I guess we'll get into some of the things that have happened. Doug, since you've been off of the show for what seems like forever, uh, really just a week and a half, but there have been some things that have happened since you have been off of the show as a co-host and the Nets and the Wizards are experiencing some issues. We do have a second bubble that does look like it is at least in consideration to happen in Chicago. Let's talk about the second bubble first, Doug, because that would directly affect the Charlotte Hornets. That would be a team that would be able to go up there and get some experience. So what do you think about the overall idea of maybe getting a second bubble underway when we already have so many problems with the first one right now? I think it makes sense that you would want to do anything you could to convince the eight teams that you did not invite to the dance that they were still pretty. Right. So that that's uh, to me, that's what this is all about is is making sure that they're heard, that their needs are being heard. Uh, but honestly, a second bubble is only going to happen if the first bubble in the the NBA's first bubble works. But not only that, that all of these other bubbles that are popping up and all of these other sports that are trying to get their league started, if if those go particularly well, I mean, look what's happening at right down the street uh, with with MLS. Uh, they've got teams, whole teams that have had to bow out of, of the MLS restart because of a spread of COVID. So I just, I can't buy that a second bubble uh, for teams that really will have nothing to play for substantially other than uh, to organize themselves and to, you know, sort of bridge the competitive gap. But I, but I just don't buy that it would be worth it to do a second bubble when, if there are still significant spread of this, of this virus. 
I think we talked about this with Rick, just some kind of compromise that you would deem the best for maybe the delete eight teams, but also a way that would compromise and, and, and not have a second bubble to be at this kind of risk, right? Where you are incorporating all of the teams. Would you be in favor of joint practices, just allowing head coaches more time with their teams? What, what kind of idea would you come up with if you were Adam Silver trying to think of a plan um, to give some competitive basketball to these uh, delete eight teams? Yeah, I think it to me it makes more sense to find a way to give coaches more time with their players, and and I don't know if that's necessarily joint practices with other teams where you're exposing more people to other people. I think that's the the sort of thing uh, that you have to be aware of and and limit uh, with with this with these bubble ideas uh, because th- that to me that's that's the whole thing. I mean, you're seeing video right now of players. Uh, that are not invited to Orlando playing pickup games, including Charlotte Hornets players. You've got Devontae Graham. I saw Bacon. I saw Miles Bridges. Players are going to find ways to play that makes sense. So they 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 want to you know maintain shape. They want to maintain uh, their game. So they're going to do that. But that's uncontrolled by the NBA, and so and and, and we don't know what kind of exposure is happening. So if there was another bubble or there was another joint practice. I mean, you're talking about more testing, more, uh, you know, revelations that players are having COVID. So it just seems like it's just a tough thing that they would have to overcome to organize any kind of joint practices or bubble situation with these eight teams. Doug in Orlando, the Nets are going to be severely depleted with, I think, four guys now that are not going to be a part of that team. Wait, wait, hold on. To be fair now. To be fair, Mm -hmm. they just signed Jamal Crawford. They just signed Michael Beasley. We should be excited about this. So to repeat, that team is going to be severely depleted as they go down to Orlando with two of the guys, as Nada mentioned, going to replace four of the others that I just mentioned. Uh, What kind of problems do you think that presents for the Nets and overall the NBA? Like, I think one of the questions was, what happens if one of these teams has quite a few coronavirus cases. Man, we, we got four. You know, a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, that, that's not a small player within the association. It's just what do you think about the Nets and how it affects the NBA? I thought the big three was canceled. I thought the big three tournament was canceled. And then I looked at the rosters for the Nets and the Wizards and and I got confused for a second. These these are, you know, I, I with all due respect to Jamal Crawford, it's been a, it's been a while since we've seen like peak uh, Jamal Crawford. So I don't know that it's going to have the impact that I think people, people are just excited to see basketball. So they're just going to be excited about any kind of, of development like that. Um, I, I think the, the problem that it presents, I was listening to Ben Golliver, uh, Washington post national NBA writer who also uh, guest stars on the Monday edition of locked on NBA. He's, he's in the bubble right now. He's reporting from the bubble and his concern is, is also my concern, which is that, just the very fact that the Nets, the Wizards, the Suns, the Kings are all involved in this thing, it's just delaying um, the the matchups that that actually matter, you know, between the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, those those true contenders. And and typically that's not an issue. Uh, you just go through the process, and if you know the the best teams typically in a seven game series are going to advance, that's not a problem. But of course, with the virus you know, being the the big issue and the thing that could take this bubble down, you know, any kind of time delay is just time for that to happen. And so, you know, the Nets and the Wizards not being significant competitors and still being there just makes this all uh, scarier to me because it just delays uh, those true matchups that we want to see and presents opportunities for the virus to spread. 
So, Doug, with all of that being said, I just wonder, do you think that this is one of those situations where the NBA is probably just saying, let's get our seven regular season games in and then call it a day so that we can collect the TV money? Because the cynical part of me is saying, hey, look, they're just doing this for the regular season money. Rents do. And they're just hoping for the best. Well, I think that this is going to be taken on an uh, – look, the NBA is operating just like all of us are operating day by day. I mean, they are going to take information as it comes. I don't I don't think that they see the, the playoffs or crowning a champion as an inevitability. I don't know that there's any point of no return. Um, I think that really – what you're hearing from Adam Silver and and the rest of the people in the know in the NBA, the little that they're telling us is that the what this really stands on, uh, will players contract coronavirus after this quarantine period that they're currently in? That's That's where the trouble is. If after this quarantine period, you have players still testing positive for coronavirus in the middle of this uh, seven, eight game regular season finish or during the playoffs, you know, that's when you start to really question the legitimacy of of what's happening here. And and I don't I don't know. I don't know what the NBA's tolerance for that will be. Uh, and I think they don't know to a certain extent. I think they're going to have to just take it day by day. All right. So I know that you've seen the social media posts and you are a foodie. For those that do not realize, Doug Branson, massive foodie. So I need to get your judge of what you've seen so far of the bubble quarantine food. If you had to give it a grade, what's the grade so far, Doug? <laughs> I mean, to, to me, like that's, I, I hate resorts. I hate, um, you know, all expenses paid just means generally terrible food. In my opinion, like that's, that's the trade-off. Anytime you go to a buffet, it's just a lot of mediocre food. So it's not surprising to me at all, these pictures that are coming out and people assume like that these NBA players were going to be, you know, taken care of in some kind of spectacular, magnificent way. And it's like, no, listen, guys, this is a logistics issue. It's like, let's get them food. And then, you know, as we progress in this situation, we'll figure that out. Feed them first and then worry about the sort of PR of it all later. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's gross looking. I mean, if they had some popcorn and some, uh, you know, Sour Patch Kids, I mean, mm-hmm. now we're talking. But well, until that happens. How dare you? I, don't I, I mean, I was expecting like a meet and three that they would go down and get the experience. That's something that I thought Disney, was going to Disney happen. World, come on. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly the kind of meet and three I want to experience. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. You can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We have more from Doug Branson coming up in the next segment. This is Locked On Hornets. 
Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One question I didn't get to with you, Doug, was the fact that the Nets and the Wizards are having all of these issues. Should the NBA just consider contacting the Hornets to be their fill-in team to go down to Orlando and then finally be a part of the playoffs? Oh, I mean, that would be fantastic for us people who comment on it. it would be fantastic for the mm-hmm. fans who uh, has they've watched this team grow into a legitimate Eastern Conference team. I mean, that was that was a surprise, especially when you consider how well they were playing defensively uh, towards the end of the season. They were beating legitimate teams. They beat Toronto. They beat Miami in that final game. Uh, they they beat Dallas. I mean, they were they were beating uh, legitimate teams. And so they housed Houston. They housed Houston. I mean, so, you know, it would be fantastic, but it's also fantastical to think that that would ever happen. Unfortunately, I had to break it to everyone. In fact, that video that I mentioned in the first segment uh, shows you exactly why, because the, the NBA has gone to many lengths to ensure that the people that are entering Orlando uh, are in some kind of protocol that allows them to have a clean start. That's what they want. They want when these players leave their hotel rooms uh, from this uh, first quarantine period and start to practice in these hotel ballrooms, they want to be. They want to make sure that everyone is COVID free, and uh, that it would not be the case if you invited anyone outside of the bubble. So they're just going to have to live with Nets light and 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 Wizards ice. <laughs> <laughs> putting it putting it nicely from Doug right there. And Doug, since you're on the podcast once again, I know you were really coming on here just really to talk a little bit more about Malik Monk. And Mitch Kupchak actually said on Monday that Malik Monk, again, is probably our most talented player on the roster. This is the second time that he said this about Malik Monk. You know, I, I would agree with him, obviously. And I, I know talent is way different than production because he certainly hasn't lived up to the expectations. Expectations. I think that most people had for him when he was that first round pick for the Hornets just a few years ago. Uh, what do you make of Mitch Kupchak's comments and really doubling down on this? Do you think he's just trying to serve something for trade bait? Do you actually think he believes this? Just your overall thoughts on his comments on Malik. Well, I think that he's already under contract. And so as a general manager and even a coach, when you're talking about public statements, I don't know what the value would be to go out and say, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's struggled a lot and he, you know, he really has to figure some things out. And, and I'm just not sure about that Malik Monk. Like, no, I mean, you, you would want to go out and, and build that player up both f- for the point that you just put out for, for trade purposes, but also because look, Let's look at Malik's Monk's history, okay? He's he's drafted, he saw some significant play, and then his minutes were reduced by Steve Clifford almost to the point where he wasn't playing very much. Then you bring a new coach in. The new coach says, hey, I'm hitching my wagon to improving Malik Monk and making him you know, a staple of this franchise. And then you see that coach give him significant minutes, significant run, and then reduce his play uh, because you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, he was uh, in, in the first season, it was defensive issues. In the second season, uh, you, you heard some veiled references to sort of just selfishness offensively and not getting other people involved. So, you, you know, you, you've seen those ups and downs. And it's, at a certain point, you have to say, okay, um, we, we've, we've done that. He's under contract for one more year. Let's, let's see uh, if, if after going through all of these trials and tribulations, he can come out. And and realize that hey, this is 
my last opportunity, at least with this particular basketball club, let me make the most of it. It's all on Malik Monk now. There's nothing that that Kupchak or Borrego or Michael Jordan, there's not enough slaps on the head that Michael Jordan has left uh, to to make Malik Monk figure out, hey, buddy, you're at the you're at the the peak of NBA basketball. Maybe take advantage of this opportunity. It's all on Malik now. Well, speaking of the talent, we all feel really good about what the Hornets have on their roster right now, just basically with the first step that they took towards a team possibly getting to the postseason. I mean, we're still in the infant stages of all of this, but we do feel good about this team. And yet it, we're not exactly sure if they have that star on the roster right now. It kind of leads me to discuss the Pacers a little bit, Doug, because Victor Oladipo is not going to be a part of the restart plan when the Pacers go to Orlando. Victor Oladipo also only has one more year left on his deal and he's in an interesting situation because this is somebody that is going to get paid in my opinion but it's still pretty risky because this was an injury that even then people were worried about whether he would actually ever get back to Victor Oladipo athleticism the quad injury it can take that away from you and even permanently and yet this is a guy that in my opinion Doug if you're a small market team you have to pay those guys and put him with the other stars or quote unquote, maybe lower tier stars that you have on the roster with Indiana because small market teams, they just don't have chances to hold on to the big superstars. Maybe you have to go to the lower tiers in Victor Oladipo and the Hornets have to draft that guy and then they have to hold on to him or trade him for other assets. If that guy were to ever want to leave, what do you make of the small market team having to make those difficult decisions on, you know, gambling for, some of the lower tier, maybe all-stars, but not quite superstars that might have some risk to signing them. Yeah, I think you you are sort of forced into taking those risks for two reasons, because as that small to mid-sized market team, you're looking, you're always on the lookout for players that can win you a playoff series. That's that's the goal, to find one or two of those players who can take over a playoff series, win you, you know, three games in that series, and then get a team win and, and move on to the next round. And Victor Oladipo is one of those players, in my opinion. And so you're looking to secure those players, uh, but you're also looking to put your franchise in a position uh, that if you were fortunate like Toronto, you could be in a position where you could add a superstar piece, a rental piece in in a unique trade opportunity. You want to make sure that your franchise is actually ready to take that piece on and do something with it. I mean, that's the thing, you know, they that that's what Toronto did. They were able to bring in Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi would not have been enough on his own. They had to have Kyle Lowry there. They had to have Gasol there. Uh, and and they had to make all of that work at a unique moment in time. Um, that's, you know, that's unfortunately what these small market and mid-sized market teams have to deal with. They don't have the luxury to compete year in and year out like some of the bigger franchises do. They have to uh, take some risk, hope that that luck favors the bold, and 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 find those unique moments in time uh, where you can strike and sneak up on everybody. And then from there, you hope you can sustain that year in, year out like the San Antonio Spurs have been able to do. So, but one thing I would ask you, Doug, on that is if you're already having these rumors and these whispers, isn't it already too late with a guy like Oladipo and you're probably better off even as a small market team trading him right now? 
Well, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think if if Victor Oladipo uh, appreciates that franchise and wants to stay, I mean, so much is on the player at this point. Um, so if if the player expe- expresses interest with staying with a franchise long term, I don't care what the rumors or the whispers are. Uh, they can they can make that deal. And if those rumors and whispers are coming from the player and the player's representatives, then he's he was probably going to go somewhere else anyway. Um, but so much. Uh, hinges on and and this will all come up again by the way when when Giannis is is ready to move on uh is he it, is he for real that he likes Milwaukee likes that organization and wants to make a career there or does he you know want to team up with a few other players and go after a championship in a in a more desirable location uh so much of that because of the way that the CBA is structured is in the hands of the players at this point uh, we have more Doug Branson coming up next. I want to ask him about his favorite bubble, and apparently Nada missed a pretty big one despite me constantly getting criticized for not exactly knowing what it is. We'll talk about it next on the on the Locked on Hornets podcast next. This is Locked on Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits, like tidbits? That's a, well, it's a great word, tidbits. It, I mean, that's just a funny word. word. Tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So last show, we chose our favorite bubbles because of all of the bubbles that have been popping up in sports and specifically the NBA with trying to figure out a way to institute a second bubble if all goes well in Orlando. And Nada, you did get criticized by our friend Charlotte Sports Despair for not having a character from The Wire, which I cannot stop catching hell from from you for not having seen yet. And then here you are leaving out a possible character that you could have named uh, with one of the categories we had on this last show. You know, I, I would I am disappointed in myself. I am very, 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 very sorry that I forgot bubbles from the wire. But you know what? At the end of the day, at least I've seen the wire. I'm a grown man that's seen the wire. Can you say the same thing? It, or? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can't criticize me anymore if you're going to forget. Uh, for, oh, yes, I can. I've actually look, look, seen it. You can't forget a, a, a character like Bubbles. I mean, Bubbles was a fantastic character in that what series. You know about Bubbles? I'm just going to say we're going to move on. Doug, uh, if I were to ask you about your favorite Bubbles, what would be some of the Bubbles that come to the top of your head? Oh, I mean, fantastic bubbles on uh, Powerpuff Girls, right? I mean, that's that right. Was a, yes. That was the cartoon of our youth. Uh, her person, I'm reading this on Wikipedia. Her personality ingredient <laughs> is sugar. Her signature color was sky blue. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, her best friend was a stuffed octopus doll she calls Octi. So she wasn't very creative, uh, but no, she, she wasn't. was. <laughs> but great bubbles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, bubbles from the wire, number one. No, sure. no, that's great. I Mojo Jojo is one of my favorite cartoon villains of all time. I love Mojo Jojo. So wait, Walker, how did you see Powerpuff Girls, but you haven't seen The Wire yet? Uh, because I'm quite uh, immature, apparently, because that's something that I do remember. I remember the bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. I do not remember, or nor did I even know a bubbles existed on the wire. Exactly. Uh, one of our things that we did when you were a co-host all those years ago on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we like to make promises, but they were often empty promises and one of those empty promises was following through with the greatest hornet bracket that we really just never revealed the final results to uh that eventually just kind of waned in 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 some way that we just didn't talk about it uh do you have the results of those did you want to talk about maybe some of the final results that we had with the greatest moments in charlotte hornets history bracket 
Uh, so I'm not going to let this die. We will continue. We will determine uh, what the greatest Hornets moment of all time. Actually, you will, uh, dear listener, you will determine this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on, we're, we're trying to determine the final four right now. We do have one of the final four that was voted on. Uh, it was Hornets return their comeback versus Alonzo morning shot. And the return comeback won 64 to 36. We now really? have zero number one seeds left in this tournament. Uh, they oh. have all been uh, defeated. Actually, no, there's one left. Uh, Kimba, all-time points leader, was a uh, number one seed. Uh, so that's the only one that remains. I guess it's the new favorite right now. But Hornets return comeback. They're in the final four. The next matchup that we will release on Twitter for you to vote on is Kimba's all-star game start versus Courtney Lee's shot to win the game against the Miami Heat in the last playoff series that we saw the Charlotte Hornets in. Now, this is this is interesting because Courtney Lee's shot, I think, is uh, one of the lowest-seeded things left in this tournament, and it, it won a surprised victory over the Hornets' debut in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> without the moment that it defeated, that moment wouldn't exist. <laughs> but without the debut, it, it, this has to go to youth, right, Doug? I mean, it has to go to our audience being younger because uh, what, what's the oldest moment that we have surviving right now? The oldest moment that we have surviving right now would be... I mean, the Bobcats for, well, no, the Hornets drafting Kimba would be, and and I think for a lot of young Hornets fans that, and, and were then Bobcats fans, that's probably the moment that they started really legitimately paying attention to this franchise because Kimba's drafting, uh, was, was a moment where you went, Oh man, yeah, that guy was, that guy was electric winning the championship for Connecticut. Maybe though, maybe this franchise can, can do something with this player. Um, but Courtney Lee's shot uh, was significant. I do have the quote here from Steve Clifford after that game. They were asking him, they were asking Steve how uh, Courtney was able, because it's not only the shot, it's the fact that Courtney Lee for two straight games had huge offensive rebounds at the end of the game. And this was a player in Courtney Lee that they had picked up middle of the season. This was not a player that had been with the team all year. So the fact that he was making these plays in a playoff series uh, was pretty surprising um, uh, how quickly he was able to gel uh, with this team, but Clifford said, I, I guess his anticipation, he's a terrific athlete. He has good timing. <laughs> so Clifford, always a man uh, who was, who was ready to, uh, he was understated with his quips. He was very understated. I guess his anticipation. I don't know. Um, so yeah, Courtney Lee shot uh, versus Kemba's all-star start. I didn't realize this, that the year that he started for uh, in the all-star game for the Charlotte Hornets was also the year that he became uh, only the second player for the franchise, joining Glenn Rice to represent the Hornets in three All-Star games. I just, I, I guess, mm-hmm. I assumed that uh, LJ or maybe Mace had done it three times, but no, Glenn Rice Walker, the only three-time All-Stars uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. Well, and that—that's what makes it so hard with the Hornets and trying to figure out who the best player was in franchise history, at least before Kimba, because I believe Zoe just had the two appearances. Even though I think he—I think he played three years, and then Glenn Rice has just the three-year stretch where he goes absolutely bonkers in those three years, and then LJ in the five years that he played, just a two-time All-Star before eventually going to the Knicks, and and Mason, I think he only had one All-Star appearance, and Mason that was with the Miami Heat, wasn't even with the Charlotte Hornets. He did have that All 
All-NBA selection. It, it's just a very weird history this Hornets ha- uh, team has. You could call it bad if you want to in some respects. It is um, bad. <laughs> but also a very weird one. And we will put some of those polls out once again. And you can follow us on Twitter at Hornets, Walker Mail at Not of the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. Are you ever going to get rid of the LOH? Because I'm not an advocate for you getting rid of it. I just didn't know if you were deciding to move on even with your Twitter handle as you've done as a co-host of the show. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to because that's how people know me now. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit of a celebrity, uh, so you want to be careful uh, with those changes. Uh, so, no, I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm gonna keep it for now. I, I love you guys and I love the show, and and it just every time I log on to Twitter now, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like, so, Doug? Oh, what yeah. was that? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah no, I just have one more question oh, yeah. for you, Doug, before we get out of here. Um, what kind of flavoring did they use for your teeth cleaning? I always go mint. Uh, there are uh, well, some actually. I, I I almost told a lie. I usually go mint, uh, but okay. sometimes I go for the vanilla, like orange cream sickle. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. I, I no, think I, I go no, mint. I have no analysis for you on why I choose to do that. I'm I'm a little bit of a, a chaos machine when it comes to the dentist. <laughs> just a little bit, and and just the dentist. Just a little bit, and just the dentist. I just need that's to right. like. Yeah, just we the need, to, sir. It's too late in the week to start lying like this. It really is. Uh, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Rock Auto for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. That was Doug joining us once again. Doug, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.